Okay, do you want to start then? Uh, well, who's the host? We haven't talked about well, that. Who, who's the host? Um, it's you're the host. It's your journey. It's a fifty-fifty split. I would have thought. Well, maybe fifty-one forty-nine. I don't know. In, in my head, it was like we were we were co-hosts. co-hosts. Yeah. Okay. But that's not um that's not like me being like not having an ego right like that. That's like me literally just sharing blame in case you know we ever said something so offensive that we got in trouble. Then it, it's both of us as opposed to you know. But I, we already got in a, we got in a bit of trouble with Sana. Apparently, me talking about Hillary not being a great candidate and that Brexit might not be an entirely bad oh, idea yeah. got a couple of scowls. Oh really? Really? Yeah. Well, that's going to happen. It's like we're talking about politics, so we're inherently going to, you know, not be divisive. That, that that was never the intention, but, you know, not everyone's going to agree with everything. And then we're also going to get stuff wrong. Like last week, you said that, um, I say last week, we recorded it now like four weeks ago or something. But yeah, we have to talk about that because like this one's going to come out, what, a week after he was inaugurated and we recorded it a month before that. Yeah, yeah. We need, I don't think we addressed that in the recording because we didn't know, right? That was an experiment that we just did in your house. Like we didn't, yeah. we didn't know how late, we basically didn't know how lazy I was going to be about the whole endeavor. And that, um, I wouldn't actually even begin editing it for like four weeks. I forgot about it for, for a long period of time there. Yeah, I totally forgot about it too. I was in Brazil. <laughs> you were on holidays in Ireland. Actually, that's a good point to make. We're, we're not in the same room, are we? Are we? No, we're not. Just double checking. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that we're a couple of time zones away and maybe an ocean away. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, last time we recorded, our knees were, were pretty much, not even pretty much, our knees were touching. It was a, a very cozy but, setup we had. But now we're... For most of it, most of it, I held on to your knee for support, both emotional yeah. and spiritual. Um, but yeah, now our knees are uh, some, what, five and a half thousand miles apart. I'm back in San Francisco, California, and you are wherever wherever you are. Uh, the north side of Dublin City, just one story above where we recorded the last episode. Wow, you're, you're, you're yeah, no, I'm already one story up. <laughs> yeah, so wait, what were we talking about before? Oh yeah, like just yeah, addressing the the that we're going to say stuff that's wrong. We're going to say stuff that <laughs> not everyone's going to agree with, but hopefully the 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 tone and um the the inevitable j- dick jokes um, and, will kind and of breast jokes apparently and and breast jokes. No bra jokes, bra jokes. Also, that's something I want it. I want to get off. I know you, you had an idea of um, um, incorporating the metaphor of me losing my, my political training bra on this, this, this political journey. Um, I know you wanted to incorporate that more, but I, I, am, I am so far against that, you wouldn't believe. Um, it, makes me, it makes me so uncomfortable. That's okay. I don't actually think I was pushing it that much. I mean, I've deleted all those conversations that I, you claim I had about them. So those are alternative facts, Richie Nolan. <laughs> that's another thing um i want <laughs> i'm gonna need you to explain to me what alternative facts are at some point maybe like in our trump follow-up or well, something. well i mean so we recorded the last one a month ago <laughs> like it, even yeah. though it's not even out as we're recording this one but like yeah so we talked about trump like what have you noticed since you came back to the states about trump's america um well i'm i'm here now so i can actually go actually hold on i'm gonna to go to the window and i'm taking off my headphones i'm gonna to go to the window and Look out the window and check and see. I can't hear you now, by the way. Deep, 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 deep. It's gone. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Just looking out the window. It's not there. It's just, it's just a field of ash with one lone "Make America Great Again" hat just lying in the middle of it all. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it, it is weird being back. Um, like I said, I got in a couple days before the inauguration. The inauguration happened. And then the very next day, an entire gender just protested what just happened. And it was bizarre. 
absolutely well, bizarre. Not an entire gender, the liberal people of that gender. Yeah, though that that's yeah, it's it's hyperbolic for me to say an entire gender, but when yeah. so many kind of like institutions who who represent the rights and freedoms of that gender are there. <laughs> yeah. It kind of it feels that way, you know. There's like a hundred thousand people here in San Francisco March, and that's that's a like San Francisco's not the biggest city, and that's like a huge, a huge number. Like it was something, it really yeah. was something else to see. You know, it, it kind of did feel nice to to see so many people kind of like externalizing the kind of the dialogue that we we shared last time we recorded and our fears and our reservations and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's all well and good marching and doing stuff, but <laughs> you still got to live with the guy. He's still in power. Like he went ahead and did everything that those people protesting hope that he wouldn't do and he's 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 continue he's continuing to do it yeah he really just plowed right ahead with stuff like I, I thought there would be a bit of um a bit of hesitancy yeah well i mean the headline one is that he reauthorized the building of the two massive pipelines down through the entire north north american continent yes but in fairness actually obama was for that for pretty much most of his presidency he only went went against it in the last couple of years really yeah that one wasn't so surprising. I think once they lost, they realized that those were one of the things they were immediately going to lose. Yeah, a lot of the policy stuff that Trump is doing is actually kind of like just what a normal Republican president would do when he got in. Um, the weird stuff is when his press secretary, no, is it secretary, press secretary, whatever, the guy who stands up and speaks to the press in the White House, he came out the day after the inauguration and basically whined about the media reporting on the low numbers of the inauguration, <laughs> yeah. saying that, why don't you think about the president's feelings? You guys are saying all this <laughs> crap, but it's not true. Imagine what it's like to wake up and seeing this. And like, not only that, but you lied. There was so many people there. You guys don't even know. And then everyone just like dumbfounded. And then he stormed off again. And that was his first interaction with the press was coming out and telling bald-faced lies because it looks like pretty much his boss told him to. Yeah. I guess. And then the next day he was defended by Kellyanne Conway, who's one of Trump's closest like consultants. And she said, well, you have your opinion and we have ours and ours are alternate facts. Yeah, that's that's fucking dystopian sounding. I know. Like 1984 is hit the bestsellers again. The uh, The book about Big Brother and about like the Ministry for Peace being the one that organizes the war, the Ministry for Love being mm-hmm. the one about torture, where basically, and where the guy is the main character, he goes and basically rewrites history. That's his job. Yeah. Because anything that disagrees with the regime has to be gotten rid of. I so, mean, it, at least in 1984, they had like nice sounding names, like Ministry of Peace and Ministry of Love. <laughs> there's there's not even that kind of level of a facade going on here. No, there's not. It's just these crazy people. So it looks like you might have a genuinely insane president. <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Let's put a pin in that for now. I'll I'll check yeah. back in with you, I guess, every time we record and talk about the the pile of ash that's outside <laughs> my window and, and how it's coming along as as a nation. Yeah. Sorry, that's really, that's really dramatic. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be uh, it's, it's, like a middle yeah, a middle ground show. <laughs> we both just fucked that one over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, and yeah, I love when we first started talking about this. I was I was all about like being as inclusive and and and, and yeah. trying to. Like, Steve, I see Trump's America. I want to know about Trump's America. I don't want to just be one of those liberal dicks who lives in San Francisco and disregards <laughs> all that. But I look out my window and it's an asteroid mess because they got their guy elected. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm as much a hypocrite as anyone. Yeah, well, sure. Welcome to politics. <laughs> you're learning you've learned the first lesson 
Oh, should, should we have done, like, an intro or something for what the show is about? Yeah, well, I mean, this episode, I guess, like, one of the other things that happened this week is that Trump minister, um, sorry, Trump met the first foreign leader um, in the White House, and that was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, Theresa May. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of hype on that one. Like, over in Ireland, we pretty much get most of our news from the United Kingdom, so... Like things that happen in the UK, we're very much aware of because we watch their TV, we get a lot of their newspapers, and anything that happens in the UK has a run-on effect for us. So, sure, they had did a thing recently where they decided to Brexit themselves. Brexit themselves. Yeah, I think this is probably where you ask the question that is the name of the show. <laughs> oh yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> that whole thing. That whole thing. <laughs> Let me do a clean take. Then. Hey, Steve. Hey Richie, oh, I'm supposed to say why, Richie. <laughs> oh yeah, you can you can really start to see the strings in this show. It's, it's held together by spit, tape, and prayers. All right, Steve, what am Brexit? Uh, basically, in a nutshell, Brexit is a referendum that happened in the United Kingdom back in May. I think was it May? Shit, forget. Sometime <laughs> this around ha- then. This is, this is literally exactly what happened last time we recorded, where I asked, "What am Trump?" and you said, "Well, basically, he's going to be the uh, shit forty sixth president." <laughs> <laughs> and I got that wrong. Got that well, okay, whatever. It was a referendum that happened, and they have to leave the they have to leave the EU now because the vote was, "Do you want this country to remain or stay in the European Union?" and the people voted to leave by a very small margin, but. That was the results, and just like Trump is the president, the Britain has to leave the United Kingdom, or Br- Britain has to leave. The <laughs> whoa, <European> whoa. <laughs> well, actually, that's going to be a follow-up. There is a possibility that this could affect the United Kingdom itself. Do you want to start by just talking about um, what I'm European Union? Oh, what I'm European Union? That's an episode yeah, just, in itself. That, it is an episode in itself, but just like for context, just like yeah, a little. Um, the European Union is a international organization. That was set up after World War Two and shortly after that basically has been sucking in European countries to get them to work together and coordinate on different things internationally. And since then, it's basically become its own superstructure state where it has departments and responsibilities and pol- policies, a parliament, presidents. It's basically like a, a layer of government on top of the European countries that it's there's free trade in it there's a free movement of people so you have the rights if you're a European citizen in one of the countries you can live and work in any of the other European countries that are a member yeah and the British have never really been comfortable in that Uh, they were one of the they were the last big country to join they had to wait up until like nearly the 70s Um, and since then there's always been a wing in the British politics that have been saying we have to get out of it and why why? like why because it it seems that there are inherent benefits to being part of a union like that. There are inherent benefits, I guess. Like, I mean, just like everything in politics, there's good and bad things about it. Um, personally, I like it. I think it's a good thing. It's stopped these countries from blowing each other up, which they tended to do every couple of decades <laughs> yeah. for pretty much all of history. And they haven't since they since they got this, this union together. Mm-hmm. And like the free trade has certainly helped countries like Ireland. We benefit a lot from the open borders, the open markets. Um, it's pretty nice to be able to drop tools in Dublin and move to Berlin if you want to. Yeah. And yeah. just like from a citizen's point of view, it's pretty cool that we all have one currency so that you, if you go to one of these places, you relatively know what the costs are. I was just in Brazil recently and 
trying to divide everything by 3.4 is pretty difficult when you've had a couple of beers and you're trying to figure out if you're getting ripped off or not. But <laughs> when you're in Germany and you paid two euros for a massive bottle of beer from a friendly German, you know that it's okay, it's good. Ooh. Yeah, but the British have all, like, they're different to the other European countries in that after World War II, they had won. They won. They 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 thought of themselves as the victors. So they kind of stayed apart from that. They was like, okay, we're going to be cozy with America and you guys go and sort out your peace thing so you can rebuild Germany and rebuild France and Italy and eventually Spain and all those guys. And we're just going to stay outside that and observe it. But then they started to see that there were benefits from especially trading. So corporations don't like barriers to them selling stuff between countries so the European Union helps to take them down both by reducing tariffs and taxes on imports and exports and by just like making it easier so sockets across the European Union are pretty much all exactly the same Um, like the size of screws that go into certain machines and things that's all been harmonised these are the kind of things that the EU takes on and just does and oh I, I, I didn't yeah, know it's that just basically whatever you can think that would make it difficult to trade between one country and another there are people in the European Union that have either broken it down and made it easier or are actively working to do that. Oh. Yeah, it's like it for a lot of ways it is pretty good, but the things that the British are not comfortable with is that they have always thought of themselves as being exceptional. Like they were the British Empire lords of the earth for pretty much between the like mid 19th century up until World War One, maybe World War Two, mm-hmm. And they've always felt themselves as being more exceptional and they've never sat comfortably in the idea of a club of countries where you have to cooperate and give in to the demands of what Germany or France might be and they think that they that they should be standing on their own um, that they're strong and powerful enough to be able to do that it's that kind of mentality I think that's been driving a lot of it there, to a certain extent especially in certain parts of the United Kingdom there's a great deal of unhappiness with the immigration that's been going on so the United Kingdom is a lot better off than a lot of countries that are in the European Union, especially the uh, big block of Eastern European countries that joined um, en masse in the 90s after the Soviet Union collapsed. And like there's been hundreds of thousands of people moving in to UK from these countries looking for work, basically. Right. I mean, same thing. Same thing happened in Ireland. Same thing. Yeah, was, happened in, yeah. We, we, yeah, we, hap- we, we can't like we've done that forever like I just did that I you know went over here yeah I mean and the Irish do that forever and not only that but we've also Ireland itself has received hundreds of thousands of immigrants from the European Union but for some reason in Ireland there hasn't really been much of a negative backlash to that whereas in the UK there has a lot of people see it as undermining low-paid jobs it's not helping people it's putting too much strain on the health service it's just basically overall not a good thing and Mm -hmm. so over the last I'd say 10 to 15 years there's been a huge huge swell in like active political support for leaving the European Union to stop migration and UKIP the United Kingdom Independence Party they were the ones to kind of jump on the back of that Um, they've been around for a long time probably since the 90s if not before in the 2000s they got a leader called Niger Farage who is it's pronounced Farage uh, Nigel Farage Farage, yes yeah it's actually Nigel Farage is probably one of the least British names you could ever get (laughs) he's a former um, he's a former London City like stockbroker who's married to a German I believe Mm. but you know yeah, everyone's entitled to do whatever they want and believe whatever they want. We're all, we're all entitled to marry Germans, Steve. It's true. That's what the European Union helps to that's, do. That's, it was founded on that principle of, of <laughs> after World War II going, guys, look, it's okay to marry a German. Okay, we've set up this union. We're going to streamline the whole process. Go mad. Go marry our Germans. <laughs> um, so the UKIP have been getting more and more popular and their base is essentially strongest around where they've managed to steal votes from 
the Conservative Party, the like the centre right wing party in the UK, mm-hmm. and that has been putting a lot of pressure on mainstream Conservative politicians to basically give in to these demands to be tougher with the European Union because Tony Blair um, he was the Labour politician who was in charge of the UK for a very long time Mm -hmm. from the late 90s up until pretty much just before the big financial crash in 2008 Mm -hmm. he was he was pretty much pro-EU. There was talk in the early 2000s that he was going to try and get the UK to join the euro the common currency as well but that didn't happen for whatever reason and after he finished um, young David Cameron came in and he was pro-EU but he was more willing to accommodate the people in his own party who were anti-EU and I guess politically he thought that that was a good way to try and stop UKIP from stealing votes off them. He eventually said okay what we're going to do is if I get re-elected we'll have a vote on on a referendum mm-hmm. and he got re-elected and so he said okay we're going to have a vote and he was so so dead sure that he was going to win. They all were like I mean it was pretty much like the common perspective in the elite media the elite politicians is that it was going to pass that they would vote to stay and then they could yeah like i i was i was over here the, the whole time um this was happening and the perception was always you know, it was never going to happen basically everyone assumed that donald trump had no chance of getting elected the night before that they were going to count the votes oh and yeah the next day everyone woke up and he was president yeah so that's kind of exactly the same thing i mean i went to bed and they were looking at the the results of the of the referendum in the uk like they they vote and they count immediately just like in the u.s mm-hmm. And it was looking like they were going to stay. And then I woke up, I think I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, looked at my phone and it was like, Britain is leaving the European Union passed by like a, I don't know, a couple of percent, but yeah, passed. So yeah. And then pretty much the next day, David Cameron came out and said, he came out and just said, fuck. Yeah, pretty much. He's just like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this concludes our press conference. <laughs> yeah. So then after a short leadership battle Theresa May became the next Prime Minister didn't have to have another election she just got the votes to become the leader of her party and therefore the Prime Minister met the Queen got the job and now it's her job to actually take Britain out so all that's happened legally politically well not politically but legally officially is that there's been a referendum Mm -hmm. in the United Kingdom um, they don't have a written constitution so they kind of make things up as they go along by practice basically so referendums are pretty new and the thing that is sovereign that has been decided through their hundreds of years of history is that Parliament is the one who gets the final say. And Parliament has not actually voted to leave the European Union yet. They only voted to ask the people in a referendum. And Theresa May has not Snapchatted the leaders of the European Union saying, we're leaving, by the way. Yeah, so they haven't actually officially left. She said that they're going to trigger the thing that lets a country leave. It's called Ar- Article 50. They're going to trigger that in March. And then after that, they have to be out of the European Union in two years. That, and that's imposed by the European Union, that two-year time frame. Yeah. Basically, she's going to trigger Article 50. And the debate that's been going on since the referendum, basically, is what kind of Brexit are we going to have? Because there's lots of different varieties of Brexit. You could have a soft Brexit, which is like what Norway, Switzerland and Iceland, I believe. They are countries in Europe who are not members of the European Union. They're part of the European Economic Area, which is like a hanger-on club for people that aren't comfortable being in the European Union but still want all the benefits of it. Like on, on Facebook saying your relationship is it's complicated. Yeah, pretty much. So you get you get all the cool stuff, but you also have to do everything that your partner tells you to do because they're the ones who have the bed that you want to share, I guess. Is, is that the analogy we're going for here? <laughs> yeah, I guess. So but the problem is, is that in exchange for being in the, the free market, you have to follow all the rules that the European Union sets but you don't actually get any say in those rules 
So it's not it's not perfect, but a lot of people in Britain were saying we have to go for this because if we lose free trade, we're going to be totally screwed. Basically, if our partner goes off and gets into bed with someone else, where are we going to sleep? <laughs> but that isn't what happened, actually. Theresa May came out last week and said that she's going to have to quit the the free trade area essentially and try and redraw a whole new trade maybe with each individual country or with the EU as a whole because so that's a that's a hard Brexit that's a hard Brexit that's like a full divorce basically uh, whoa okay a rock hard Brexit yeah they're well not rock hard they're going to try and do a new deal but one of the things that they don't want to agree to is free movement of people they do not want to have to allow anybody from any European Union country to live there okay but well, what about like say Ireland where we we like share a landmass there with Northern Ireland and that's a unique situation I would assume yeah that is a unique situation actually and that kind of deserves its own talk i guess um ireland is kind of gobsmacked by this whole thing we are very much intertwined with the uk both culturally historically socially and economically so this is not good no matter what happens this is not going to be good for ireland and we're also the only country that shares a a land border through northern ireland and i mean like if i want to drive from my home in dublin to my parents home in Donegal, i have to drive through the northern ireland for an hour and the idea of having to stop and talk to someone at a checkpoint on each side of the border is just like it's crazy yeah it's not something that i would ever think and not just that but the peace process in northern ireland actually has the european union written into it oh so there is yeah it's 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 really really difficult for northern ireland and the funny thing well not the funny thing the typical thing about this is that it hardly even comes up in uk politics they really do not think about the their other regions it's really just England and then to a lesser extent Scotland they never think about Wales or Ireland so Ireland is going to try its best to lobby the Europeans to give Britain as sweet a deal as they can get but countries like France and Germany they probably don't want to give that good a deal to UK because that'll set the precedent that if you want to throw your prams out of the car and leave the EU that you can do it and get a good deal anyway so they kind of want to make they want to make an example to try and stop someone like Greece or I don't know, Finland. Is there a real threat of another country leaving? Like, who would be the, the next most likely? Um, well, Greece has always been on the edge because of their financial crisis. They basically owe a shit ton of money to everybody. <laughs> I think they owe you, like, they owe you a fiver they never gave you. Yeah, yeah I really know that. <laughs> and one, the usual way that countries do that is to basically write off their debts and fuck up their currency. But, Greece can't do that because they're part of the common currency and the only way to get out of the common currency is to leave the European Union so pretty much since 2008 the other countries have been constantly doing deals and trying to keep Greece in there but that's always been the threat that if they leave it would be pretty much disastrous for both Greece and the European Union right. but the UK has gone off and done it anyway so they're they're going to be the ones that set the example now and they don't want to make it look like Greece have always held back because it's it's they think it's too dangerous to actually leave the EU. They don't know what the consequences will be, and if it looks like that they're not going to be too bad because the UK left and then still got a great deal, then everyone else like maybe Greece, I don't know, maybe even Ireland. Like it is, it's going to start coming up more and more here now about whether Ireland should stay in it. If like our closest partner is out, should we not leave? Ireland didn't join the European Union until the UK joined. We tried to join first the, with the UK, they got rejected, so we cancelled our membership <laughs> it's like when your best friend um can't get into the club and uh, yeah 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 we're like well, screw you guys i didn't want to come in here anyway i had a hat <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um like I, I know like it hasn't really started that much in ireland there's not really that many people talking about it really because we've benefited a lot from european membership um like i, th- I think it's it's like 
en masse among the people and among the political elites there's some things have not been great like I come from Donegal and Killybegs and the fishing industry in Ireland has been cut back a lot by by the the amount of fish they're allowed to catch is agreed in Europe and that's been getting smaller and smaller every year so if you're from that area you probably don't like the EU but most other places like they just think oh yeah it's a good thing sure it's got the little flag on the roads the big big new road that they built down there they must yeah, be nice and, and it's so it's funny like so there's again the stuff we talked about last week with Trump and then now this like these are two big political movements that have led to like these near 50-50 splits why is that like what why is it a, just a coincidence that like so soon together so close together in one year we have such polarizing events is that coincidence or is there something else there well that's a question way bigger than i'm going to be able to answer i mean basically why do i even why, why do i bother <laughs> why did i bring you on here steve because that guy from the stanford political science unit told you to go away <laughs> they all told me to go away steve <laughs> I didn't tell you to go away, Richie. I'm still here. Yeah, now I'm telling you to go away or answer, answer my question. <laughs> answer my damn question. Uh, it, it probably is linked. I mean, it, it's not a coincidence that these things are happening at the same time to similar countries for similar reasons. Yeah. it's It can't be. And I mean, there's similar kind of right-wing populist movements going on all across the developed, the developed world at the moment. Pretty much everywhere except for Ireland, which is fun. Like, funny. I don't know why. Well, do, you, do you want Ireland to start is one? Its own. Is, that, is that what you're, you're getting at? No. <laughs> no. Because last week you wanted to, to bop off Trump, and now you're starting a right-wing movement in, in Ireland. Why would I bop off the leader of a right-wing movement and then start off another right-wing Competition, movement? Competition, Stephen. Poli- I want green hats. <laughs> What's Yeah, this is another thing. You said you, you, you used the term red hats when you were chatting to me during the week, and I said... Uh, I said you're gonna to have to explain that to me in the podcast. Yeah, well, the red hats, the red hats are the make America great hats. Oh yeah, okay. Sorry, I thought it was like this old, old ass slur <laughs> that went back like generations, and this is like there's this historical context to it I didn't know about red. Oh, okay, that's okay. I if you, you look, if you look at the photographs from the inauguration, I was like, I, when I seen, I, I watched the video like of him getting sworn in. I seen the crowds, and I was like, why does it look so red? And then I seen close up photos, like ah. Yeah. Everyone's wearing a red hat. I thought it was like a, a red coats thing. It's like this is horrible thing. No. <laughs> so this is the other thing. So like, we're we're good friends, and I have like things that I would normally like prior to this podcast have just like chatted to you about during the week. But I find myself going, no, don't talk to Steve. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> You're just going to waste it. So that's why I haven't been talking to you as much during the week. And if you do talk Aww. to me, and I seem really short and abrupt with you. It's just because I'm like, no, fuck off. We should talk about this during the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you didn't come to the funeral of my nearest. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Fuck off. We'll talk about the funeral of the podcast, Steve. <laughs> Nobody died, just for the record. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wait, what are we talking about? What? Um, Brexit? <laughs> Brexit? Brexit? <laughs> talking to friends and family over in London and other parts of the UK the scariest thing that they're thinking about is that what what's going to happen aren't they going to have to leave yeah that's like, that's I'm kind of in a similar situation because I'm looking to move to move over there um in the near future that's kind of why uh I asked earlier about you know what what about what about Ireland that that was for selfish reasons because I'm kind of thinking of myself like is that going to hurt hurt us over there? Um, it won't. Basically, the Irish Woo-hoo. will always have a special. They will always have a special exemption in the United Kingdom since, like, we got independence in 1922. But that was like we were a free state within the within the UK. Basically, we were 
still very closely politically tied. And then when I think one of our Taoiseachs got drunk and declared full Republican independence in the 50s, the he kind of surprised the <laughs> Did UK. That and they were like, what? Yeah, apparently uh, he was at a an event in Canada and there's actually unionist clubs in Canada who like do the same thing as the guys up in Belfast and they were having like a big celebration about all unionist things and unionism in Northern Ireland and apparently in these Canadian clubs basically stands in opposition to Irish nationalism. That's why it's there. And they were rubbing it in his face and apparently he just turned around and goes, yeah, well, I'm announcing an Irish Republic. That's it. <laughs> It's wonderful. And everyone's like, what? And the UK were like, holy shit. What? Duh. We've got nearly a million Irish people here living and working in our country. And now they're suddenly going to be foreign aliens. Okay, let's pass this law that says that Irish citizens basically have the same rights as British citizens. And I think Ireland in turn did the same. Man. So those laws exist before the European Union. Um, I'm pretty sure the European Union superseded that. So like Irish people in the UK and the UK people in Ireland are there on the basis of EU. But even if free movement of people is stopped, Ireland will, like, I mean, nothing's for sure anymore because Brexit happened and Trump got elected, but I'm, like, 90% sure that Ireland will get, like, a super special deal and we'll continue to be able to live and work in each other's countries. Okay. But if you're not from Ireland, it's a little bit trickier. Um, Essentially, if they don't want free movement of people, they don't want people from Europe coming and living and working in the UK, then if you're already there, like, there is a risk you could get sent home. Um, I can't see it though I mean the UK is still a progressive like modern democracy sure. even if they vote they voted away the liberals don't like it's still liberals like myself and yourself it's still like they're not going to put people into the back of buses and put them into a boat and send them back to France like the reverse of what's going on with the, the refugees trying to get in right. that's not going to happen so I think I think anyone that's already there is pretty much safe they'll, they'll probably do some sort of like a, a legacy clause where you get to stay because I mean like I know someone who lives in Edinburgh and she is a German citizen that's what, that's the basis she's living there mm-hmm. and she's, she's bought an apartment so if in two years time they turn around and say okay you have to leave now but I mean she's got property in the country do you get that? do I get that? yeah I get that it defaults to you <laughs> yeah it's the Steve the clause Steve. <laughs> they're going to work in you stand to benefit the most from this Brexit. No wonder you were pro it last week. Uh, <laughs> when I said I was pro it, I guess I should explain. Yeah, that. actually, you should because um, like everything you said here kind of went against. Uh, I know you only mentioned it in brief passing last time, but this seems like you're yeah. you're um, you're against Brexit. I am against Brexit. I don't think it's going to be good, but I do understand people's frustrations with the European Union and why they would want to leave. I don't necessarily agree with the hooray for Britain, wave your little Union Jack flag. The Queen is great and we should stay in. We should leave the UK because we're so much stronger and better than those smelly Europeans. That's not a good reason. <laughs> Did they officially say smelly Europeans? Oh, that was the official slogan. I think like, like it was the slogan that was written on the bus underneath the thing about the uh, health service. <laughs> Very small print. It just said smelly <laughs> Europeans. <laughs> the... Um, like I said, if you're from Killybegs, you're, you're not going to be happy with what the European Union did to the Irish fishing industry because basically a deal was done in Europe to protect Irish farming rights and, and well this is the conspiracy theory back home <laughs> to protect Irish farming rights they gave up the fish and this is the kind of compromise that you have to do at the table and I mean like when we had our financial crisis people said that we should have burned the bondholders we should have like cut the debts and not and the government should have taken them on um, because of our situation in the European Union I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been like officially found that they told us we can't do that we have to honour every debt and pay it all back and that put a huge burden on the Irish state that we're still paying 
in our lifetime we will not have paid off the debts that the Irish government took on in the in the recession. And Greece will owe me that fiver, so Yeah, I know, you're never gonna get that back. Well if I had that fiver I feel like we could pay it off quicker. <laughs> That's true. But then you might just be paying off a Greek banker who loaned Ireland some money. God, it's also complicated. It's also interconnected. <laughs> and some some socialists, um, they see the EU as an essentially bad thing because it's basically just an organization that helps corporations break down barriers and hurt workers. So they like I read a paper when I was in college written by a my my own lecturer who was like, we may as well throw our uh, throw our hats in with all the radical right racists because if their end goal is to leave the European Union, then we should join them because the European Union is bad and this is a way to get out of it. Like I don't condone that at all. That's that's a bad reason to want to leave, but I do I do understand. But I I don't think leaving it is a good idea. You should try and change it rather than leave it. Like just because it's broke, you don't have to destroy it. Right, yeah. Like, it's got it's got a lot of potential. It's a nice thing to be able to live and work anywhere in this, like, anywhere in the world. That would be lovely. So at least we have it on this continent. Yeah, I was going to say, especially for, for Europe, which is relatively a small continent with a bunch of much smaller countries, being able to move at least somewhat freely around that continent is a big deal. Especially because, like, over, you know, in the States here, it's like you got 50 huge-ass states, which kind of, like, are, are, are bigger than a lot of European countries. And just being able to move around the different economic opportunities that are available in these different places is like a big deal for everyone here. And so for us to have a similar thing where we can kind of like move around and find work where, you know, somewhere that isn't just like our small little island, for example, that's huge. Yeah, it is. One thing that the British were afraid of as well, actually, that you mentioned it is that Europe is eventually going to become the United States of Europe. Like we have free trade and free movement of people now, but we're still, we're not the United States. Like we're not so joined together like that we're still nations within yeah like a superstructure whereas the united states is basically one nation right it's not their states but they're not the same as like ireland being a state. right right but people people are afraid that that's the way the european union is going to go eventually really like it keep well of course it keeps on taking power and if it keeps on going on the curve that it's on i mean it's essentially an, an inevitability i don't know what, what would you like would you rather be a european citizen than an irish citizen um fuck that's a Big question. No, I, I like the idea of maintaining our own, obviously maintaining our own national identity and stuff um, and being an Irish citizen, but just having a very good parent structure there that just allows for, you know, good relationships between all these individual countries so you can move around and work and stuff. I don't know if I necessarily but agree that, yeah. with one gigantic, you know, like federalized government over over everything of which we're just like a, an individual state. Yeah, that's probably the way that it's going to happen. I mean, like, I don't think everyone, anyone's ever going to say that it's one country of Europe. I'm like, what would we call it? Just Europe, the United States of Europe, I guess. But that's a shit name. Wait, it would be like you. That'd be just use, use. Yeah. Hey, use. Hey, use. <laughs> that's how. That's the. That's the plural for you here in Ireland. Hey, hey use. <laughs> so what? What happens next? Article fifty is being enacted. What in March? Is that when they're hitting the? The big red button. Yeah, that's when that's when they officially inform Brussels that they're going. They want to leave the European Union, and that's when the official talks for what's going to happen afterwards start. And so, does does the UK just have to chat with every individual country they want to have dealings with? Well, that's yet to be decided. So they're going to try and do a deal with the European Union as one because that's easier for everybody. Like the UK would prefer that. Yeah. Um. The Europe, the European countries would prefer that, but there is no one European decision here so France are going to want one things Germany are going to want other things Ireland is going to want to give the UK pretty much 
all that they want because it's in our interest for them to have a good deal. Like I said, other countries are going to have other things. So, and then everyone, every country has to basically agree together that this is the deal that they want to have with the, the United Kingdom. That's going to be very hard, very, very hard. Right. So it's, it's not, it's certainly not guaranteed. And then if that breaks down, well, I guess it would have to be individual deals then. But then the, tr- the trouble is that the European Union doesn't like doing indiv- its countries doing individual deals. Oh. Kind of stuck in a quandary. Yeah, it's fucking, it's also, Steve, you didn't tell me when we started this podcast it was going to be complicated. Nah, I wanted you to find that out. Oh, I thought it was just going to be jokes. There's been a few jokes. <laughs> a couple. Yeah, a hot mess. To, to conclude, it's a hot mess. <laughs> is that what, is this every episode, every time we, we, we take on a topic, is it just going to be concluding with me acknowledging that it's a hot mess? Like, are all the things we're going to be talking about this this messy? Um, yeah, and don't believe anybody that tells you that it's not. That it's not. If somebody simple. In, yeah, if somebody in politics tells you that they have the simple answer, the simple solution, they're, they're lying. lying. They're lying. They're either lying to themselves, which is especially dangerous, or they're lying to you, which is common because it's politics <laughs> and everyone lies. But not you. But not you, Steve. You don't know. Oh, I lie all the time. Pretty much everything I've said this entire podcast, I just made up. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, that's not true. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> I think I told the truth. I don't know. Check it on Wikipedia. What do you think we got wrong this week? Um, I don't know. Probably when the UK joined. Probably like the specifics of when Ireland became a republic. Like these are probably all just anecdotes that I either misremembered or made up in my memory. Yeah. Turns out Brexit didn't actually happen at all, Steve. <laughs> What Brexit? What are you talking about? Yeah, they're staying, for God's sake. <laughs> I think that's that's a pretty good grounding in what I'm Brexit. I feel like I, I have a better understanding of it. That's another thing I have to fucking deal with now. <laughs> I can try and keep in my head. Yeah. I'm going to have to forget something I know already. What's going on here, Richie? You decided that you didn't want to live in a crazy country that's throwing itself apart, the United States, so you'd rather go to the UK? Yeah, wherever and simple. Yeah, I mean, you know, they just got this straightforward massive disentanglement from a massive international superstructure that involves like basically your right to live and work there and your friends and family's right to live and work there yeah it's simple yeah that sounds simple if I wanted to live somewhere simple Steve where do I go like politically speaking what's 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 a chill ass political country New Zealand New Zealand they're pretty pretty relaxed yeah I don't know I've heard I've heard New Zealand is the place to go if you want simplicity and happiness but then again that's definitely not true because there's a load of white people living in a country that doesn't belong to white Fuck. people it's a common story. Shit, there's always, there's always, there's always something. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's just one little island somewhere where everything's just, just great? I doubt it, because the, the sea levels are rising <laughs> and it's going to be underwater soon. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is such a morbid start to my day. <laughs> oh, it's just the end of my day, so I'm about to go off and go drinking. Uh-huh. And maybe you should do maybe the same, even though it's only... It's only 10 o'clock in the morning Oh my god, there. I should. I should. I, I wanted to look up, like, fun little segments to kind of end, you know, end the show with. Like, so we talk about our we talk about our main topic and then we move on to something I was hoping would be, like, quite light to kind of end, end the show with. Because I feel like this is going to happen a lot where it, it, politics is a heavy subject and it can sometimes get quite morbid. So I wanted to end on a touch of levity. So I, I was trying to look up... Um, like questions that people had online, like silly questions that people had about government and politics, like this kind of stuff you see on Yahoo Answers. And we could... Tr- well, actually, one of the best ones, speaking of Brexit, was that the day after the Brexit referendum, lots of people Googled what the EU was. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. In the, in the, in the United Kingdom. 
I don't know, Richie. I don't know if that's lighthearted and happy. That made me pretty depressed. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I more so meant like stuff. You know what we see on Yahoo Answers is stuff like uh, someone asked a question of, you know, oh, I want to put a video on YouTube. Who do like? How do I call YouTube to come over to my house and film me? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that's actually one of them. Um, but I went on the, the, the politics and government section of Yahoo Answers and it's just fucking awful. It's stuff like... Uh, why are liberal men such pansies is like one of the top questions what's the answer it's just, and it was just like people arguing it was just like oh you know caring about equality makes me a pansy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and it's just lots of stuff like that so i don't know if i can find any levity in this fucking subject <laughs> like i don't know if there's your act your active attempt to find happiness and levity resulted in you getting depressed about politics. Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. I'm, yeah, well, I'm laughing now anyway. Yeah, at, you're laughing at me, Steve, because you're a sadistic bastard. Yeah, that's because I follow politics. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're 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 like suitably disenfranchised with the whole thing. I'm like fresh and doe-eyed. I'm like a You're like a little redhead president just elected who expected to wake up and look at how great his speech was the day before only to find out that people says he didn't get as many people at his speech that he thought. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Trump like in the evening goes home and just like sits down in a chair puts his like hands in his head and goes like why don't they like me? I, yeah I actually <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> I like I genuinely think that that guy has got serious like personality disorders and one of the main things is that he's desperate for people to like him. But the thing about people who are desperate for people to like them is that they usually end up being pretty nasty. That's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty common. I've heard that a lot. Actually, I'm listening to a new podcast. It's by a couple of former Obama staffers. Um, I think it's called Broken, no, Crooked Crooked Media. Crooked Media. Are they better than us? Oh, they're way better than us and way more Fuck. handsome. Yeah, but that doesn't count. We can, we can lie about how handsome we are. I'm gorgeous. We're stunning, but... um. <laughs> They, they've been going balli- I've actually just like I only started listening after the inauguration they're going ballistic like they they try to say that they're in a good mood and then just by the end of it they're like Ooh, that's that's fucking exactly how I feel like I started this podcast hoping that it's like you know levity and lightheartedness and trying to find the humour and joy and all this stuff and to, to a certain extent we you know we do laugh at that but it's just the more I learn the, the more kind of morbid it feels and I guess that's part of it. I guess that's something I have to just like learn to deal with. Like I guess, like you, you know, you've been doing this far longer than I have. Did you have a moment like this where you were kind of um, lost your innocence? I guess. Yeah, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I my stupid initiation to politics was watching The West Wing. Um, <laughs> a lot of people our age probably have that. It's like, oh my god, it looks so cool. Mm. But that's, that's only when you watch the first time. When you watch it with an awareness of politics, you can see that they're actually in charge for seven years and they don't actually get anything done. Right. Because it's a, it's a realistic show. But they have a great time while they're not getting stuff done. And I was like, wow, that looks fun. I want to do that. And then I got involved in Irish politics and I got involved in an election. And I, I did. I drank the Kool-Aid, got involved with one of the parties in Ireland. And then pretty quickly after the election, I realized that these guys that I just backed are pretty much exactly the same as the guys who just they that we fought tooth and nail to get out of power. So like, what's the point? <laughs> did I fucking do you want that to be the tagline of the show? What's the point? What am politics? What's the what point? point? <laughs> dot dot dot. Fuck. <laughs> now I want people to find that out by listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. Shall we end it there? Is there anything else you want to talk about? What are we going to talk? What are we going to talk about next? Do we do we want to decide what we're going to talk about next? Um. Yeah. I mean, did you? 
Did you see the sheet that Actually, I sent over? Actually, fuck, yeah. So that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. I saw the sheet and there's some great suggestions on there. But I don't know, about halfway down, one of the... You know, you got great topics like, you know, talking about the European Union and feminism and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but one of the topics you've listed is your ma. Yeah. I, look, if we run out of ideas, maybe I'll entertain it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> She's the hot political issue, Richie. <laughs> maybe we'll see yeah okay well not next week anyway we'll pick something else for next yeah. week i think like we've done very two hard specific subjects so far because they're topical and like we should definitely should do that but at the same time it should be more abstract because you're trying to learn about politics as a as a as a thing yeah like an abstract concept yeah like the whole idea of politics not just what's going on in the news this week yeah I'll- that's why like pretty much all of them topics they're not some of them are related to the news, but they're all just the subjects that you would see in, in a textbook. Right. Um, and I don't want to read a textbook. Books are for nerds. Now, if we could incorporate it into some sort of fantasy role-playing game, I'd be on board with that. <laughs> you like the cool kids, do. Yeah, yeah. If you could try and teach me by playing some sort of Dungeons & Dragons game or something. But books? No, that's, that, that's too nerdy for me. Man, do you think that's what Game of Thrones is? I've just been learning about politics by watching Game of Thrones. Well, pretty much. Game of Thrones is like the Machiavellian side of politics. That's the side of politics like behind the doors about people who deal, like how the deals are done. That's like, yeah, that definitely is. But, you know, when the dragons come in, it'll be totally realistic. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Um, should we end it there? Yeah, we'll end okay, it there. cool. Do we have a sign-off yet or anything? See ya. See, see, see ya. <laughs> Is that original enough? Okay. (laughs) All right, Steve. We'll chat to you later. All right. See you, Richie. All right. Bye-bye.